All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Biohacker Babes podcast. I am Lauren. I'm here with my sister, Renee. And today we are doing part two with our friend Dasha Maximoff. If you did not hear part one with her last week, go back and listen to it right now. It is so amazing. She talked all about her experience with concussions, hacking her brain to better health, and then her introduction into the biohacking sphere is super interesting. She has a wealth of information to share, and it really lays a good foundation for what we're going to talk about today. So maybe you found our podcast because you noticed that there is a lack of research regarding women and biohacking. It is very male-driven. So we're really excited to dive into the women's biohacking movement today with Tasha. And in my opinion, she really is kind of spearheading this movement because she is connecting people all across the world, researchers, experts, and people like 
you and me, our, that includes our audience, that are trying to upgrade our health. So I'm so excited to have her back to really dive into this, how we can all just be a little bit better and contribute to this movement. Dasha, I will say no more. <laughs> Where do you want to kick off? <laughs> Thank you. Good good to be good to be here. First off, let me correct a little component there. It is not my movement. It is ours. Absolutely it is ours. ours. But you um, are re- I, I don't know. <laughs> wonderfully aggressive in this movement. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's really interesting, this movement, and, and you guys are pioneers in it as well, right? I think that this Thank is, you. like, what we're trying to build is an ecosystem such that we can actually change the name of the game. Uh, and I think that it's the doctors, it's the researchers, it's the influencers, it's the entrepreneurs, it's the coaches, it's, you know, it's all of these people all together that if we bind together, then we can actually do something, right? And I think that you you two are fantastical points of view in this because you're spreading the message and you're also so knowledgeable in each of your areas. So come right back at you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about WealthCo or if you want to talk about the Women's Biohacking Collective that was uh, prior to that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think there's a couple of things here. So one, so... Maybe I'll, yeah. So Women's Biohacking Collective. Effectively, we last year I was working on the Health Optimization Summit, um, running all the operations there. And so the Health Optimization Summit was in London. Uh, we had a whole host of different speakers, um, kind of alternative alternative healthcare, all the way to to modern you know stem cells and stem cell research. The problem that I saw there though was that as I was traveling around to a number of different conferences and meeting people left, right, and center there wasn't really the perspective on women's health specifically. There wasn't, you know, biohacking I think is fantastic. And this movement of biohacking is absolutely tremendous in, in that we are pushing the needle forward on personalized health. We are taking control of our health individually. We are understanding how this incredible thing of, of our body is all interconnected. And, and yet we don't, actually look at that from the lens of a woman always, or, or it doesn't sound like that voice has, has really been, you know, been pushed forward. And, and I think there's a couple of, when we start thinking about the, you know, if we call it the women's biohacking movement or women's health in general, or whatever we want to call it, right. Ultimately it's, it's your own health optimization. I think we should look at three different things and it's probably kind of why haven't we yet done the research or what's been going on in the past? What can we look to in the future? What, where do we want to go? And then what can we start doing today? Right. To me, that's kind of the way that I think about this. So, you know, when people say, oh, well, you know, women haven't been researched and this is insane and this is ridiculous. And, you know, yes. And (laughs) there's many sides to that story. And I think it's, it behooves us to look at, at that side. And I think, so first and foremost, if we're thinking about research, research ultimately in institutes is tough. It's, it's takes a long time. It's very expensive. It requires multiple points, you know, multiple subjects, um, and, you know, and, and, and a lot of different analyses. And in terms of science in the science that we have today, it is quite reductionist. So you have to look at very, very specific, you know, controlled elements in order to say definitively that one causes the other. Um, 
if you don't do that, then in the in the name of science, and I'm saying that with air quotes, right? Um, in the name of science, you end up not being able to have a, def a definitive answer and then publish it in the top journals, right? That is another element of it as well in terms of research of what is what actually gets into those top journals. That's There's politics involved there as well. I think the other element about research is that we're pretty new to this. I mean, it's, it's you know, we are we are very lucky right now that we are at the crux where we can start using technology to really look into it. But, you know, backtrack a generation, backtrack two generations, right? Research was always focused on the diseases that could benefit or the disease prevention or understanding a disease that was going to impact 100% of people rather than 50% of people, right? So if you were to look at a disease, a disease of, you know, even I don't know, obesity, right? Let's take that as a big one, right? Okay, well, we're going to look at obesity as it impacts the entire population, men and women, because we've never done any research on obesity. You know, my grandmother had no idea what obesity was because again, back in her generation, nobody studied obesity. It wasn't a place of research. So research in general has been quite young. It's quite new. So yes, in in the past 50 years, we've trans, we've done a lot and, and I, I just, the point that I'm trying to make is I don't think it's, I think it makes sense that we can be, you know, annoyed or we can say, well, yes, we haven't done any research with women. Yes. But you know, there, there is reasons for that. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily ill-intentioned. I think the other element is that we, you know, we as women are quite complicated, um, as all the men probably know. And we, as women also know, you know, we, <laughs> We have our, I mean, take, take, for example, ages 25 to 35, right? In that 10-year gap, 10-year age range from age 25 to 35, you can have women who are menstruating. You can have women who are not menstruating. You can have women who, have, who are pregnant, who have just given birth, who gave birth 10 years ago. <laughs> right? You know, and that's five different types of women in one 10 year age gap. So if somebody tells me that it's, you know, it's easy to study when, well, that's impossible, right? Because in that 10 years, right, we have women who stem all different sides of the hormonal cycle and all different sides of the life cycle. So, you know, I think, I think it's, yes, we are very, very complicated. That being said, that doesn't mean that we can't be studied, <laughs> but I think it, it, it is also interesting just to see, you know, go into the history of, of research in the sense that we have, we, there have been things that have not been done right. So some of them being, you know, in 1977, childbearing women were prohibited from being involved in research. 1977, they were absolutely prohibited. They said, okay, no, no women allowed in research. Not that long ago. Not that long no. ago. Right now, fast forward, 1990, let me see, I wrote down, uh, 1985, they realized that by not having women in studies that we were actually compromising health quality research, right? So for example, heart disease or obesity, even for that matter, right? But let's say, let's say heart disease, a heart attack for a man is very, very different or the symptoms or, or how it shows itself is very, very different than how it is for a woman. So in 1985, which was again, really not that long ago, they finally said, you know what, actually we do need to have women in these studies because we're showing that it's quite different, right? That, that a heart, a heart attack for women versus men is, is, is showing is quite different. I'm just now, curious, yeah, was it a group of men that discovered that or had that 
for that. I'm not really or sure. women like listen. Not really. Yeah, not, that I'm not quite sure about. It doesn't matter, but it's great that someone got turned on to it. Yeah. So then fast forward to um, just actually 2003. So literally in the 2000s, they finally, I think it's called the Women's Health Initiative or something like that, um, where they they finally said, actually, we are noticing that yes, you are, we are, we are including women in research. However, we're not including women in the analysis of the research. So very, very interesting. So you have 10,000 people who are patients or, you know, in, in your trials. Yeah, you're saying, okay, 5,000 are men, 5,000 are women. Fantastic. But then when you actually look at the research, you start noticing that of the, of the research that's been published, you know, 3,000 people are taken out, let's say. Right? I'm making these numbers up, by the way. Now, of those 3,000, 2,500 are women, right? Mm-hmm. Why? That not many people are getting into, or they, they weren't looking into that necessarily. But there are usually, again, in research, there's probably good reason. It could be that a woman started the trial out and she wasn't pregnant, and now she is right? A woman, you know, whatever, whatever the reasons are. But the point is that just in 2003, just in 2003, they did an an audit and they noticed that many, many of the studies or a number of the studies, let's put it that way, actually the analysis was not very balanced. So, you know, I think, I think to me, what we're seeing with, in terms of the past, it's that one, we did our best (laughs) in certain things, right? And research is tough and and that we are going to study the things that are going to impact the larger majority of, of humanity, which is 100% of the population instead of 50% of the population. So, okay, great. Now we know that history. <laughs> now we can move forward, right? And we can actually look into how we can change that. So to me, I mean, I think the next part of the evolution of where could we potentially go with, with women's biohacking or women's health, or to me, it's one, we, we get more involved in our own health, right? So I'm, I'm in my thirties. I only recently started really understanding my cycle. That is preposterous. <laughs> you know, that is You're not the only one though. Yeah. A lot of women. Yeah. But yeah. there's just not that education out there. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that, that needs to change. Right. And that, and it seems to me that that is changing because Right now I'm, you know, femtech, feminine technology as an industry is starting to boom. Last year alone, there was, I think, 800 million in funding for companies that are specifically focused on feminine technology. Now, when I say feminine technology, I mean, you know, things to understand. Exactly. It could be wearables. It could be just um, using technology for, for understanding ourselves. So, you know, a technology that's enabling breastfeeding in a, an easier manner, right? So a lot of women right now are traveling a lot. Where, where are they pumping? You know, how can they pump? How can they make it easier? So is there a technology around that that can help? Is there a technology to understand, to better understand your fertility? Is there, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So Femtech, I mean, one, one app out there that's pioneering in Femtech is Clue. Clue is an app, a fertility tracking app. And you can go in every single day and start putting inputs in um, regarding your cycle, also regarding the food that you're eating, regarding your temperature, you know, a number of different different things so that you actually start to, to understand the patterns that are going on. And so I think to me, that's the evolution. It's an evolution where, well, again, one, we are just more educated. And the way that we get more educated is by tracking the data, 
is the first bit. But then in my opinion, also bringing in the, the side of intuition. And to me, that's where biohacking is, is really fantastic. And that's why, you know, our name initially was Women's Biohacking Collective. And we've changed it to Women's Health Company, or sorry, Women's Health Community, Wealth Co. Because biohacking is wonderful. However, I find it to be potentially too data-driven in how it's been in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so biohacking is, is yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I have, I have all the gizmos and gadgets, right? <laughs> but I also, to me, biohacking is not just about technology. It's also about integration of that technology and of those habits into your daily life. So it's integrating grounding. It's integrating the sunrise. It's integrating, you know, a cold shower. Now, is a cold shower biohacking or is it just what my grandmother used to do? <laughs> Both. But it's also asking questions that one, your doctor is probably not going to ask. And that's interesting to bring in the intuition part because your doctor is not going to have intuition about how you're feeling or what's going on with your body. And it sounds like it requires more work, but that's the empowerment part, right? Like you can do the work to start upgrading your health. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's an interesting point because to me, that's how I really got into, into this world of getting interested and getting intrigued by what's going on. I came at it because I didn't find answers within Western medicine really, but it's also because I just got, I got interested of wait, my, you know, my brain is not working as it should be, or my, you know, I'm curious about what happens if I do eat something different or, you know, whatever, whatever that was. So that curiosity factor, I think is tremendous in, in the biohacking world. And so it's, you know, when people start saying that the new doctor is the patient, that is where I hope that the future is going to go with, with women's health. I mean, in health in general, but it's going back to saying each and every individual should, I don't like using the word should, but is going to be interested in their own evolution and their own mm-hmm. and, and how their bodies work. Because what we've done over the past two decades or so is outsourced our health to specialists and to doctors and to people with authority, whatever that authority is. It, it could be you know influencers, it could be well, whoever it is, it could be doctors, it could be our whatever it is, right? Now we've outsourced our health, but in reality, you're the one that's living with your body. You're the one that has to be in this day in and day out. So that intuition and that understanding of, wait, this isn't going to work for me is in my opinion, a lot more powerful, or at least, at least as powerful as going to a specialist. And that specialist saying, you're missing this, this multi, you know, this nutrient, or you, you need to do this test to, to understand something. So, yeah. So I think in terms of the future and where, where I see this going, I see it going in again, education and learning about ourselves, learning how things are interconnected and testing it out on ourselves. So in the future, you know, I, I see it as an N of one, which is the foundation of biohacking. I also see it as a community that's sharing the N of ones so that that way we can all combine together, have, have better information, have better knowledge. I see that going forward, it's, it's about citizen science in order for us to get to future uh, kind of real science, again, air quotes, real science, right? So what I mean by that is Going back to research, research is quite, again, it's quite difficult and it's difficult to get a grant. It's, it's difficult to get a number of people wanting to be part of a six-week trial, 
right? It's difficult that when women are so variant and so different, you know, along their cycle, along their life cycle. So to me, the first step is to have citizen science before we can graduate to having university science. So as an example, what I would say is if we think about fasting, fasting right now is one of the big things in biohacking, right? Or it's been for a while. Intermittent fasting, um, you know, OMAD, all these different types of kind of a three-day fast, all these different things. Now, if you look out there and you say, okay, well, is fasting good for me as a woman? You'll get a, you'll get a number of different answers. You'll get certain people saying 16 hours, that's the max right? Or 24 hours, that's the max. Um, you know, if you fast too much, then that's, then that's going to impact your cycle going forward. Then you have other people who are saying, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, not, a, not a problem. Your, your body will come back, back online, <laughs> if you will. So right these now, are mostly people's opinions, right? Like if you Google that, you're just getting articles from magazines. You're not getting scientific journals. Precisely. Yeah. When I, I heard a doctor speak, uh, a female doctor speak about the effect on hormones from fasting. And she said 14 hours seems to be the optimal amount, which I can understand from the hormonal perspective, but I'm wondering were most of her patients coming in because they had adrenal and thyroid problems. So that's why they couldn't fast. You know what I mean? What are the variables going into that? But everyone she was seeing 14 hours was working. So precisely, precisely. And that's, and that's exactly the challenge, right? If you're if you're only looking at people who are coming in with an ailment, then that's already a bias, right? And we, so, so we're always going to be biased to some, to some extent. So I guess, so, so the idea is, well, let's say again with fasting, what if we had 5,000 women, right? Each of whom are going to self-select to do a fasting challenge every month and every single month, it's every third Sunday, let's say, or, you know, find a time. And then over the course of six months, you can see how certain women, how women do, right? You can have, you can have women self-select and provide information on their mood, on their sleep, on their, et cetera, like, you know, five, six different things. And then over the course of six months, you now have a sample set about citizen, you know, with citizen science to say, this is what we've found. So maybe you find that those women, you know, of those 5,000 women, those women who are in perimenopause, they do really well with, um, with fasting for 24 hours. But those women who are, you know, actively cycling and, and kind of a lower, uh, you know, younger, they don't do very well with fasting. Or, you know, or maybe fasting is fantastic when you combine it with HIIT. Maybe, you know, or, you know, there's, there's a myriad of different things that we could potentially learn from that. Now, if we learn that and we had that pointer, that arrow to say, hey, listen, we've found X. Now, granted, that's that's anecdotal and that's just looking, you know, kind of observational. That's not ultimately going to be where we want to, you know, where we end. But now we have that information that we can go to a university. We can go to, you know, to, to somebody and say, listen, there's potentially something here. Now go, go write a grant and here you go. Here is something that's an inkling of something that you can potentially go and properly study in a controlled environment with, you know, with all the different right controls so that we can then get into nature. We can then get into the scientific journals. But I mean, to me, I think it's, that's where we need to go. And that's where we need to start. We need to start at the individual to say, I'm curious to see what this means for my body and, and my optimal health. And then if we 
if we graduate and we expand that out to be more of a communal thing, then because of the community, we can then go in and do something with it from a proper research standpoint. So how do we start participating for our audience listening today? Where do we start? How do we get this thing going? Yeah. So we've started WealthCo. Right now it's an online platform. We're kicking off in May. And yeah, just go on go on our website, wealth.community. So it's wealth.community. And uh, and you can join there. I mean, it's it's evolving. And again, the the intention is to to combine the ecosystem of doctors, researchers, entrepreneurs, and lay women like us, who unfortunately we just haven't had the education because it hasn't been in the in the dialogue, right? We don't, you know, it, we we get educated about you know, balancing physics equations in high school, but we don't, we don't get educated about, you know, the luteal phase or, or what happened, you know, could it be that when you're having dandruff or you're having, you know, hair kind of fall out when you're, when you're brushing your hair, maybe that is a hormonal imbalance, maybe, right? Those types of things are not being connected. And the, the more that we can actually enter that into the dialogue and have, um, and yeah, and, and even open up the dialogue. And that's the intention, right? The intention with WealthCo is to open that dialogue, be it on the forum or with our Q&As. So we're going to be having Q&As with specialists. Um, you mentioned Dr. Carrie Jones, she'll be coming on as well and having those types of things. Because to me, ultimately, education is the way that we'll all together be able to to understand more about our bodies because we are freaking complicated. <laughs> we are We are really, really complicated, lovely ladies, but... Um, you know, we, we need to learn from each other because again, while we're complicated as women, you know, as, as a gender, we are quite similar. So, you know, the PMDD that my friend is having, or, you know, the postpartum depression that not many women are talking about, but many women have, or, you know, the, you know, the fact that a lot of women just don't have much libido these days. Right. Or, you know, or just simple things Mm -hmm. like, you know, understanding how you, how your nail health can really tell you a lot about your actual health. those types of things they have a lot of scientific validity to them but unfortunately it's not being pushed out in the modern kind of amongst modern women yeah so that's the yeah. idea join us and uh and then together hopefully we can also kind of change the game and change the the future for not only ourselves but also for our our little ones I love yeah, that. I, I agree. There need to be way more whys and could it be's just in the questioning. And I like yeah. that. I like the collective aspect that we're bringing women together because women as a species used to physically be so close to each other mm-hmm. and helping each other through these things, through our cycles and through our troubles. So even right. if we could just do that online, that's so powerful. Yeah. And I think, I mean, ultimately once this Corona <laughs> decides to <laughs> untangle from ourselves, uh, we'll go yeah. back to, yeah, hopefully, um, we'll, uh, we'll go back to also having the the local chapters. So last year we were starting uh-huh. with that. Um, so the idea there was, I think we had about six different, uh, cities around the globe, uh, that were starting to come online. That being the idea being, you know, having a local presence and actually getting to meet people face to face, because it's interesting to me that once you start getting into this sphere of health, it's, it's quite difficult to start having the same conversation with your existing friends, because oftentimes, (laughs) you know, you're seen as crazy or you're seen as, you know, it's a change, right? 100%. (laughs) Just having so, a conversation about the birth control pill. Yep. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine saying that, oh, well, you know, she has girls who are starting to menstruate and her doctor immediately said, we'll put them on the pill. Right. Because, because the, it was such a, a tough menstruation. It was, she was having a lot of pain. Now a woman's brain is continuing to evolve until around age 22. They say between 22 and 25. So if you are a little one, you know, a, a, a teenager that is, you know, starting to be on the pill at age 16, age 17, what are you actually doing to your brain chemistry between the ages right. of 17 and 22 when your brain stops growing and stops changing? You know, those hormones. Shutting everything down. Yep. Yep. So this is the conversation, right? It's the conversation of yeah. let's have both sides. Let's understand Let's have a foundation based in science. Let's have a foundation in evidence. I want to understand, you know, if if there is a study that's out there that only has five participants, that doesn't necessarily say that it's a bad study, right? But let's call that out as well. Let's call let's call it out and say this is this is a the beginning of a study. We need to grow it further, right? Or or let's call out frankly, BS science as well, because that's out there, that, that, that is out there and it's understandable that's out there, but also teaching us how to, how to even read these scientific journals, teaching us what is good science, what's not good science, as well as bringing in that N of one, bringing in that, that potentially anecdotal or individual story. You know, I, I know that I have specific things that I do that sound completely crazy, but work really well for me. And if they work well for me, well, yeah, on the forum, I will put that out there on the community. I will tell people whatever it is. I can't think of anything right now, but I will say that, but calling that out again, as this is my story, this is my experience. And so maybe, maybe this will help somebody else, but this is not something that's replicable necessarily from a scientific standpoint. So it's having both, you know, if you think about it as a, as a barbell, right? Having both sides of that barbell, having the, the really strong, controlled, science-based, evidence-backed research that's out there. And then balancing that with also our personal stories, which also have quite a bit of validity to them as well. You know, maybe right. some, some yeah. old school methodology that, you know, we've never thought of, or we never heard of, or there hasn't been anything that's studied about it, but really does have a good benefit. So, you know, my mom, for example, has, has, I remember her telling a friend of ours, you know, if you have during your first trimester, cranberry juice is really good. Is there any scientific validity to that? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but did it help her? Absolutely. <laughs> so not? it's a combination of the two and, and right. supporting yeah. ourselves as women in that community aspect of it. And Dasha, I think somewhere where you can really help a lot of women with what you're building is the topic of infertility. Mm, okay. I will say, yeah. I guess I'll just open up about it. Why not? I struggled with infertility for many years and I started trying to get pregnant when I was 24. Nothing happened for six months, went to the fertility clinics. The doctor said, you have to do IVF. There's no options. Well, like, can I try acupuncture? Should I change my diet? Like I've been under a lot of stress for many years. She says, no, none of that matters. And I wish so badly that I had a community like you are building right now that I could go and talk to. Because at that age, all of my friends were just popping out two, three babies. I literally had no one to talk to, including my doctor who thought I was crazy for asking questions. I didn't go that route. I actually, I left the office that day. I went home and I started writing my thesis on nutrition for infertility. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot. And I know you keep bringing up the point of education. And I learned a lot about that topic because of my personal story, but I just think there's so many women out there struggling with that. And I think, again, you building this community is going to be an amazing platform to share. 
Thank you. And I'm I'm sorry to hear that. That is that is something that is very very tough. And I'm I'm sorry to hear that 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 you had to go through that. Um, Thank you. I'm it, I'm in a really good place. I don't want anyone to be like you know. Yeah. It's not what was me. I'm in a really great place right now. I just it's just sad. I think a lot of women don't have anywhere to turn to. Yeah. I appreciate and I think, that. Thank you. And I and I think that that is exactly it, right? Because it's these types of topics that appear to be taboo or appear to be uncomfortable or, or even, I mean, I can say it for myself, right. You know, with my concussion, for example, I felt, well, what's wrong with me, right? Something is like, I have done something wrong. And in reality, if we really pull back and we think of ourselves as, you know, as to some extent what we are, which is a, which is a host, right? We're a host from, for a bunch of organisms, right? A whole, whole bunch of bacteria and, you know, and a bunch of little cells. Um, so it's like, it's, you are not your symptoms, right? And this is not something that, you know, or I, you know, I, I felt like I couldn't even speak about my concussion. I couldn't speak about these things because that would show weakness on myself or that there was, I mean, a whole, like you get into your head as well about, you know, a disease or, or some, or a symptom or an ailment and how that reflects on you as, as an individual and what that means about you. Or also then, then you throw in on top of that, you know, the, the idea of, of other people and they're not, either they're not comfortable or they don't know what to say because they don't know how to help you or not help you or either, or if you even want help and then the idea of support or not, you know? Um, so it's, it's all these different elements combined together. And so the idea of that community, which is saying, Hey, listen, one, you are not your symptoms <laughs> Two, um, we are all on this journey. Right. And, and I think that's what I, that's what I tremendously love about the biohacking world. And, and in general, this, this movement of, of optimal health is that all of us are on that trajectory somewhere. Right. So, and we've all, a lot of us at least have hit rock bottom, right. In one way, shape or form and, and whatever we define that to be. Now that rock bottom means that we've also likely elevated away from that rock bottom and we're a step above or two steps above or five steps above, whatever it is. Right. And the nice thing is that once we really start thinking about our health as a stepping stone and as a journey, then, you know, we can play up and down. We can see that there's a goal of these ultra Olympians or Spartan racers or, or just people who have good health. Right. And start saying, okay, that's my, that's my goal. I want to get there. And then some simultaneously it's, in in this community, in this network, in this yeah, in this in this collective, right? There, you're going to see, or I've seen, you know, women and men who have are a couple of steps b- below me. I don't want to say below, but you know, they're on their journey and they're looking for help about concussions, right? And so, because we're all on this journey together, it what I find really beautiful is that we can all look up to each other in certain ways because there's certain things that you ladies are doing that I have no idea about that I'm going to learn from you. Right. And then similarly, we're all, because we've all been on this health journey and looking at this from the perspective of every day I can get better rather than the, Oh, this is, this is horrendous. And this is my symptom. And I am my symptom, you know, then we can bring other people up as well. So it's that, it's kind of that ladder and, and where do we sit today? Cause today I could be on the highest or, you know, slightly higher and tomorrow I might be absolutely on the bottom, but understanding that we're, we're not our symptoms. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Yes. That's thank you. Well, thank you for putting it that way. I think you yeah. said it very beautifully. I appreciate that. Such a wonderful opportunity. 
So yeah, so I I mean I see I see a lot of work ahead. Um, and I see, mm-hmm. you know, with research and with women's health, I see. I'm really excited about it though because you know women we are we are really starting to be open about these things and I think that that's the yep. part that you know 5 years ago we couldn't have done this right so 5 years ago we didn't have you know all these technologies 5 years ago we didn't have the the mentality of I'm willing to share because we didn't have a sharing economy until just recently so you know I think that there's all these if if you think about you need a number of different things to, to happen in order for true change to happen, right? And in this case, we've got people are more open. There's the technology is there for tracking as well as diagnosing the, you know, and we, we are more, more wanting and desiring of a community. So I feel like there's so many different elements of this ecosystem that are just right, right now to go and, and, yeah. and make it happen. Um, and I also like that, that people are, very much in the mindset of calling out fake news and calling out um, when when things really aren't aren't there, and it's not and it's not done with ego, and it's not done with you know wanting to tear somebody down. It's truly in the name of listen, let's figure out what is true, what is going to work, you know. So I I like that there's all these types of you know components to it that are going to push us forward. Yeah, it's perfect timing for this, really. So yeah, everybody, so awesome. Join it. Let's let's go. Let's keep going. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> So, Dasha, I just want to be mindful of your time. To close this out, we like to ask our guests for one piece of advice that our audience can take away and start thinking about, working on, doing immediately. That wait, that kind of advice. Oh, wait, what they can do immediately. Yeah. What do you want the audience to know that they can, as soon as they <laughs> hit end on this podcast, what can they start working on? I have like five different things. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that comes First to mind. One. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We could listen to you for 12 more hours. Sorry. So. I just talk a lot. I just talk a lot, dude. I love it. We'll just have part yeah. 10, 11. <laughs> <laughs> I would say go within and realize that you are your best guru. You are the best teacher. So start listening to yourself more so than listening to everybody else around you. I think the I just recently started doing that and it's scary as all hell, but it is probably the best thing because that is now dictating what I read, what I look at rather than just blindly following anybody who is of, you know, blindly just following whoever's out there or whatever authority figure has been pushed on me. So yeah, I would say start by really tuning in and listening to yourself and saying, what is the first thing that I need to look at rather than what everybody else is, is advising you to do? I love it. It's a great one. Great. Thank you. Dasha, thank you so much for hanging out with us for all this time. You're such a force. You're so well-informed and thank you for sharing your heart and your mind with our audience. So wonderful. It's wonderful to be here and I can't wait to actually get to see you both in person once this is all over. I know. <laughs> It's going to be so great. Pick a city. We'll all meet. So uh, for our audience to find you, how can they find you? Just run through the list of social media Uh, stuff. um, So WealthCo, WHealthCo on Instagram. Also WHealth.community as a website. And then on social media, I'm not that active because it kind of sucks my soul, but underscore (laughs) dash of health uh, would be my Instagram. Okay. Awesome. And we'll link, we'll link to all those in the show notes too, for everybody. So they including can... all the amazing books that you talked about as well and tech. 
So great. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, Sasha. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.